My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of what's cool about going with kids is that you get to act like a kid yourself. And that is, like, we don't have enough opportunities to do that as an adult. When you run through real Paris, you know, squealing and jumping and, like, laughing with powdered sugar all over your face, people frown on you. Right, but you can do it in fake Paris and in Epcot, and it's okay. I'm Pavia. I'm Gerilyn. We're the co-founders of Fathom, the travel website that celebrates all the reasons why we pack our bags, get on a plane, hitch a ride, and explore beyond our backyards. Welcome to Way to Go, the podcast that makes vacations easier and better. Today, we're talking about what some seasoned travelers, full disclosure, myself included, (laughs) consider to be a very divisive subject. (laughs) Vacationing at the Walt Disney World theme parks in Orlando, Florida. Can you believe we're doing this episode, Pavia? Um, I have no comment yet. Vacations for kids and for adults. Okay, really? I mean, Carolyn, don't get me wrong. I have incredibly happy memories of trips to Disney World when I was, you know, 10. But I have no idea why I would never go back, given that I do not have children. And to help turn the tides for Pavia today and any other reluctant adults listening, we asked journalist and political commentator Sally Cohn to join us at the studio. Turns out she's a big fan of Disneying with and without the kids. But in addition to being a political commentator, regularly seen on CNN, and the author of the timely new book, The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity, which has been hailed as, quote, an eye-opening read for both liberals and conservatives that could not come at a better time. She is, as I've said, a diehard Disney fan. The two things are probably related. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for joining us, Sally. You really really just got to my depths right there. Thank you. Hi. Yes, so before we dig into this segment and the pitch for skeptics, Sally, please share your Disney credentials. When did you first start going? How many times have you been? You know, why is it special? Um, so, y'all, <laughs> I just want to preface this by saying I have really good parents. They're really responsible parents, loving. I was safe through my entire childhood. And, uh, you know, it was a different time, right? I mean, okay. despite the fact that It's actually safer to be a kid in America today than it was in the, you know, 19, late 1970s, early 80s when I was growing up. We we felt safer then and did things with our kids. People did things with their kids that they wouldn't do now. Anyway, so starting from, (laughs) which is all to say. Where is this going? Yeah, I know. Which is all to say, because this kind of tends to shock people, uh, which is all to say that uh, starting at the age of uh, like 10 and a half, 11, my mom worked for AT&T at the time. Uh, She had a couple different Uh, sort of divisions that she was responsible for. And one of them was in Orlando. And so she would have to go to Orlando a couple times a year for business. And she would take me and drop me off at Disney World while she went to work. That sounds awesome. That's the best childhood ever. That was amazing. But I mean, this was like before cell phones, right? So like we'd stay at a hotel attached to Disney World. We'd eat breakfast together. My mom would like go off to work and I would walk or take the bus or whatever, like get myself to Disney World, spend the whole day by myself at Disney World, going on rides, single rider line, 
cutting all the lines faster and somehow show up (laughs) at like five o'clock back for dinner safe and sound yeah did you feel like you were taken care of though i mean when you were on the park were there ever any moments where you were like oh yeah this is the magic of disney world we're gonna get to that (sighs) okay all right all right so let me begin with a pitch for this if only you could see i know if everybody could see the faces but i should say that then in total this included like from age 11 to maybe 16 i went three times or so a year that added to the times I went before and the times I've gone since, including before I had a child, but I now have a child. I've probably been to Disney World. I lost count, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 41 times. I'm going to be the skeptic for one second. And I love all the Disney movies. Yes, at my age, and I'm talking to you, Coco, um, and I think Walt was an undeniable genius. But let's be honest, when you hear someone talk about something being too Disney-fied, it's not meant as praise. It's usually some sanitized version of reality that's too optimistic, too commercially, and altogether too princessy. And there's ground for that skepticism. I I agree that from the outside the Disney gates, from outside the Disney gates, uh, a vacation can feel a little sentimentalized and contrived. And if you haven't been, you could really find the whole thing kind of depressing. I I can see that. But this is, again, where the Disney magic comes in. So I come from a pro-Disney family, an extended family, and went a handful as of times. As does Sally. Okay. As a kid. Um, but then I didn't think much about it as an adult because I wanted to see other parts of the country and the world and kind of got back into the Disney game once I had nieces and nephews strategically located in Florida. Close so seasonal passes. Yeah, so at first, you know, when I think my brother pitched out the idea, I was like, I don't I don't. I don't know if this is for me, really. I'm too cool. We're going to take them to fake France, and we're going to eat fake food, and we're going to take pictures, and it doesn't make any sense for me. But then I went, and I had an amazing time, and I was kind of born again. Born again Disney. Listen, you make a good point, because, yes, I'm, you know, I believe more travel is better than no travel, and I suppose that millions of American Millions of Americans being exposed to a small piece of France, even if it's faux France, is better than not being exposed to any France at all beyond French fries. But, you know, I I also think that it's not an either or. I I don't think Disney should be the only vacation that you go on. But I think that it's a fun vacation to go on and an easy one for delighting children. Sally, what do you think? Well, okay, so, I mean... (sighs) You know, there's a sep- kind of semi-separate conversation about Disney with adults, you know, without kids and Disney with kids. I will say that uh, I think I've been now to Disney World with my daughter three times, and uh, she's now 10. I think we first went when she was maybe four and a half or f- five. I think that's right. And part of what's cool about going with kids is that you get to act like a kid yourself. Right. And that is, like, we don't have enough opportunities to do that right. as an adult. When you run through real Paris— you know, squealing and jumping and, like, laughing with powdered sugar all over your face, people frown Look on you. you funny. Right, <laughs> but you can do it in fake Paris and in Epcot, and it's okay. Right. Um, the other thing is, as a parent, and as a parent of a kid who, you know, uh, <laughs> takes after her mother, <laughs> uh, it is so refreshing to go somewhere where the whole place is, like, ready for your kid right. to do whatever. So, like, normally, you know, our kid's pretty good in restaurants. She's, but, but, like, there are certain restaurants that you're like, oh, she really better keep it together in this right. restaurant. We can go to, like, uh, any restaurant in Disney World, and if our kid has a meltdown on the floor, 
No one cares. That's because there's like eight other kids right, having, having meltdowns on, on the floor. floor. And it's designed for that. And there's some freedom as a parent to being in a place that is like 100 percent, 360 degrees designed for your kid and is kid-proof in a way. Yeah. I feel like there's bubble wrap all around Disney World. There's like this <laughs> psychological bubble wrap. You know, I will say, I mean, honestly, having <laughs> the long history on Disney that I have, it's become homogenized in a way that makes me sad. I mean, I remember when I would go to the Magic Kingdom as a kid, there were certain things that were unique in every little corner of the park. Mm-hmm. Like there was this bakery on Main Street. It made this seven-layer chocolate cake. This is the, still the best cake I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was the only place you could get it. You couldn't get it anywhere else in all of Disney World. And now you go and it's pretty much it's the same food at this place, at that place, at that place. There's a few unique things here and there, but a lot of it's become homogenized. Right. Um, and you can see in a way a reflection of, in Disney World, you can see how much more corporate I was going to ask you become, feel like it's, it's more corporate. It's a reflection mm-hmm. of our, our culture in general. So, listen, I have that. I can turn that switch on and mm-hmm, off, mm-hmm. right? It's funny. When I first – this is like a confessional for crying out loud. <laughs> I like when it. When I first I like brought my – I brought my partner there soon after when we were first dating. And maybe it was like a year or something, two in. Too Bad soon. call. Too totally soon. too soon. <laughs> and she – you know, she's a very refined person – World traveler, exquisite taste, uh, like just poo-pooed the whole experience. Like everything you could find fault with, <laughs> found fault with. And While somehow, you were on it, though? Oh, yes. Oh, no. She's that person. It's okay. I love her. And she would say this if she were here. Maybe you went too far by having her wear the matching Mickey <laughs> Mini t-shirts where they're there, holding hands and stand so together. There were so many problems. Like also, like, <laughs> I, you know, did like at the time, all I could afford was the... Uh, what the heck is the the um, New Orleans hotel? Oh, which was and of course because she loves New Orleans, I was like, that's perfect. Be great. Yeah. So not perfect. So not perfect. Anyway, whatever. But then when we went back <laughs> with a kid, both she was able to see it through the kid's eyes and also turn off the critic. Right? You just yeah. have to turn off the critic. You have to recognize that, yes, this is a corporation. Yes, it's indoctrinating our culture with certain ideas of masculinity and femininity and good and evil and all the things that Disney's done to us. And they have some really freaking awesome rides and it's kind of cool to live in a fairy tale for a few days. Right. Yeah. I would say too that one of the things aside from it does bother me that they call every girl princess. That's one thing that does drive me crazy. But but really aside from that I do feel like there's a general sense of inclusiveness that really exceeded my expectations and continues to do so where people of all different kinds of abilities or, or with di- different disabilities talk about multi-generational families, everyone has something for them. And they really, really make it easy and accessible and seamless. And I think that is really nice. And it's meticulously planned. So you you can have these nice, spontaneous moments, but without having to get over the hurdles of everyday life. Let's say if you are somebody in a wheelchair, like everything is ADA accessible. You can go to the front of the line. Your whole entire family can go with you. And I, I really appreciate those little tiny details. I've also never seen so many employees with disabilities mm. as it's at really. Disney World too. And also seniors. They have a whole like there's Program a universe of people who retire and go work at Disney World. And yeah. there's a lot. And yeah. it's really wonderful to see so many septuagenarians and even octogenarians 
working. And, 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 you know, listen, again, bearing in mind everything I know about Disney and wages and benefits and whatever, um, that's completely true. And yeah. they've got gay day at Disney World every year. They've got, right. like, these are things. <laughs> yeah. To your point about the princess thing, by the way, my kid did do the princess thing. The Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. I did write a piece about really? this. Yeah, I wrote a piece about this for uh, the Times, for the New York Times. But uh, at the end of it, you know, she, like, lectured. The, it basically ends with she lectured the fairy godmothers. They're not beauticians. They're fairy godmothers. And told them, and they were like, well, you just have to go find your prince. And my daughter, who was, like, five, was like... Or my princess, because I can marry a boy or a girl or not get married if I don't want to. Nice. And literally, they all just started, started applauding. Like, all I these old women started amazing. applauding. And, you know, like, <laughs> that's also the paradox of Disney World. Is, right. In a way, everyone there is also, you know, you're seeing families who are grandparents with kids and right and gay families and whatever. And they're in this place. By being there, they're exploding the... Conventions of what Disney has enforced. So it's. I know it's so crazy. You guys are echoing the theme that you're just living in a fairy tale when you're in the Magic Kingdom, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry, Pablo. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's be clear, a Disney vacation is not cheap. And, uh, you know, my family is fortunate we can take uh, a couple trips a year, including a Disney trip, you, you realize there are families, mm -hmm. especially, I only have one kid. If you have three, four kids, mm -hmm. I don't know why you'd have more than that, but if you do, um, I'm not really sure why you'd have one, but that's another <laughs> podcast. Uh, you know, you're really saving up the tickets alone, it's the meals. Expensive. It's really yeah. expensive. And, you know, so as much as, you know, you were saying earlier, like, yeah, you want to see other parts of the world, I want to take, I've also taken my daughter to India and, and to Spain and to France and whatever and Mexico. But for people who aren't going to be able to do that and for whom maybe logistically, uh, not to mention financially, that's impossible. There is really something about like when you stop and appreciate even just what Epcot is about. Right. That it was about being able to bring little pieces of the world to people who might never otherwise experience it. And yeah. we look at, you know, I was thinking on the way over here, like just geopolitically what's happening between our country and Mexico right now. And to go to this little tiny bit of Mexico, you're coming from Michigan or Wisconsin and your kids are never going to get to go to Mexico and they're never going to. And and actually, you know, look, it's it's schlocky. But when you're in those places, you're in a little bit of those country and you really the little piece of that country. And it's for a lot of people, that's going to be their reference point. And, you know, to bring it full circle, when we look at what counteracts hate, it's actually getting to know people and being exposed to people in places. That's a piece of it. Right. And it's a little tiny drop in a bucket. 
Yeah. And, you know, in terms of in terms of those places having some mode of authenticity, they are staffed by people from that host country. From those countries. I was going to ask that yeah, question. Yeah, I always loved Mexico and I always loved Morocco because, one, it smelled like vegetable dyed leather. And also you could talk to all of these cool girls about the things that were going on where they're from. And they sold yeah. all, all the things that are sold in those little spots are f- exported from that place, too. So There's you really a store can get in a Japan vibe. that there, it only in, in Japan and Epcot, it only exists in Japan. I mean, in uh, Epcot, Japan and in Tokyo. It's a great store. The department store. Yes. It's very kawaii. It's amazing. It's so cute. Right? Yeah. It's Sarah actually the only the reason store. now yeah. my partner will go. <laughs> Disney World, Yeah, they sorry. have an incredible snack section. Um, so this is an off-topic thing, but the people from Morocco who come to America to spend a year working at Disney World, I wonder when they go back home what they think that of America. That must be a crazy slice of life I wonder them. because if, because if because That's if a book right there. Well, but if their version of America is Disney World, and I'm sitting here thinking that Disney World is like, so not America. I'm fascinated by the, yeah, by the, because there must be thousands and thousands of people at this oh, point because yes. I remember going to Epcot when I was 10 and that was not, right. that was a long time ago. So I am a Disney neophyte and you guys are doing a good job of convincing me that I should maybe go there. But tell me, um, what are the things that make this trip easy? And I remember when I was young, I was mesmerized by the monorail. I thought that was like the oh, most amazing thing. And they probably don't still have this anymore. But was there a monorail that goes through a hotel? Yeah, the mm-hmm. contemporary. Still does. Is that still there? Mm-hmm. Still there. That mm-hmm. was pretty great. You know, the first time, um, the first time my nephew, who, who, now he's 10, but the first time he went to Disney World, there was no park passes even bought. It was just riding the monorail. Oh. That's it. And then my brother and Sister-in-law went home. (laughs) It was awesome. I mean, I think that's so cool. But in terms of how to make it easy, so I think one of the main things that travelers don't realize is that Disney World is huge. It's twice the size of Manhattan. And you're going to be, uh, you're going to have to really figure out how to get your way around. And also you're going to be walking more than you are used to walking. So I think that choosing your hotel location wisely is is probably one of the biggest choices you'll have to make that that can kind of make or break the trip, right? I mean, if you have little kids and it's in the budget, I would say if you can stay at a Disney resort that's near one of the parks that you're into, that's the best bet because it means that then you could take advantage of that hotel for naps, for early dinners. You can watch your fireworks and your light show parades right from the grounds there and you don't have to schlep back and forth because traveling from one park to another can take can take a while especially mm-hmm. when it's busy. I have my favorite hotels. There's no first of all stay at a Disney hotel everybody says that but even if if, if their budget choices like the early park access that you get right you get a lot helpful. of perks and the ability to whether it's the monorail or a bus to get dropped off right close to the park. That really is a big deal. That combined with the early or late access is, is huge. If you stay at a Disney hotel, they they give you perks mm-hmm. as a... Th- Sorry. So, yeah. Account. And two of the most important ones are there are early park hours for people staying at the hotels. This assumes you um, can wake up in the morning. Well, if you have a five-year-old, you You're don't have much choice. Okay. And, uh, you know, so there's that. And, and that crowd-wise can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second is that Either with the monorail or with the bus system, you are transported literally from the front of your hotel 
as close to the park entrance as you can get. Whereas everyone else has to go to a parking lot, a parking lot or and a then transport get from hub the or whatever. Lot. So, so now I will on, say yeah. my favorite. Somebody at Disney is going to yell at me for this one, but my favorite trick trip trick is to book breakfast at a hotel at a Disney mm-hmm. hotel that's near the park you're going to, and then Pro use their tip. valet parking, pay the twenty bucks, and then just. Ride, take the monorail. Take the, the monorail, or, or if it's you know, if you're at the you know Disney Beach Club, walk to Epcot or whatever. Can you pay the valet parking in the morning and then just leave it there the whole yes, day? Yes, you can. Pro tip. Thank yes. you. That's now I will just say I have favorite hotels at Disney. Um, if you're in the classic Disney hotel, I really love the Yacht and Beach Club, especially the Yacht Club. But it's where I went as a kid. I think it's the coolest pool, one of the coolest pools With in the, the world. Sand I love it. Uh, the ice cream like has I just, a sand bottom. Pool has a sand bottom. It's like a three mile. There's slides. There's lazy river. Has a sand bottom. It's really cool. And you're right between the magic. I'm mean, sorry, right between Epcot and uh, Hollywood Studios. So that's a good if you're in that zone. But my new favorite, I am now like we will not go to Disney World anymore and not stay at the new Four Seasons which is technically a Disney no. property, but it's a little removed. Is it technically a Disney property? It is property? technically a Disney okay. property. You get early access and all that. The, it, it actually does have the best pool of any hotel I've ever been to. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's like a high-end, nice hotel that parents can feel good about. It's a Four Seasons. It's yeah. a Four Seasons, but it's yeah. a nice Four You know what I mean? It's a new Four Seasons. It's a nice Four Seasons. The restaurant on the top has the best steak I've ever eaten in my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm not like, I'm a devotee. And then you also get, you're in Disney World. So you right. get the sort of, it feels like a vacation for everyone. Right. I think the other major, uh, let's see, the other major tip that I would say to make it easy is to book everything in advance. Mm-hmm. And this is specifically, I was trying to explain this concept to Pavia earlier, with fast passes, which is, a free uh, access to line skip three Disney attractions per day. And and this is where definitely the early bird gets the worm because if you book at a Disney resort, you can have 60 days in advance to scroll through the app Correct. or go online yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. And, and check out which are the attractions, probably the most popular ones like the Avatar ride or Space Mountain or whatever it is, and you can book them. You can book your time and your day. And you can switch this up up to the last minute. So you can keep checking and switching, but it's great because you can plan your day around them and know that you're not going to be waiting online for two hours. You just show up at your time and you go right into this other line and go to the the front. Let me just say that as a traveler, I think you know this, I am overly ambitious and anal retentive. And so I always want to do too much and pack in too much. And every time, especially with the kid, every time, no matter what age she's been, I later kick myself and say, I wish we'd planned a day in the middle to just chill out, chill and hang at the pool. Like the Especially pool is given how good that pool is. It's a great right. pool. They will serve you a drink on the Lazy River. There's a kids club. Ah, I forgot. Hello, parents. There's a kids club so that you can, like, check the kid in at the kids club and they're occupied for several hours. <laughs> you mean at Disney World or no, at, the four at the Four Seasons? Seasons? At the Four Seasons. Yeah, good do you kids think, club. Do you think anybody is dropping their 11-year-olds off at Disney World and picking them up at the end of the day anymore? <laughs> If anyone is, please let us know so that we can compare notes. I, I, I really wonder, right? I don't know. But, like, statistically, it is safer to be a child in America today than it was, you know, when, I'll see, I was 11 in 1988. It is safer now. But 
we don't feel safer because of the nationalization of news and every single local crime is now a big story and whatever. And helmets. So people should be, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and in general, the sort of bubble wrapping of our kids. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you remember, Geraldine, uh, the last time that you went, you came back and you just looked at me and you're like, the Avatar ride. I can't even describe it to you. It's too perfect. One, you know, it's very safe. Is it? I haven't been on it's it It's extremely safe. You don't even go anywhere. You're just stationary. But the way that this ride operates, I, I went on it, I think it's five minutes long, and I was like, okay, this is the future. I understand now. It's virtual reality experience in a chair. And it is... It is incredible. The line is, I think when we were there, the line was four hours maybe, but we had we had fast passed it. Or I shouldn't say we. My sister-in-law does all of this stuff. Does all the she, planning. And she planned it, and it was incredible, and I wish I could have gone on twice in a row or three times in a row. It was really, really wow. sensational. But even the whole world, and I think this is just, this is a cool thing for somebody who cares about good design, the whole world that was created, this avatar world, is beautiful. And I think it's next to, in the animal kingdom, Africa. So you're in Africa and you're hearing African sounds and the the vibe of all of the kiosks are that way and there's African dance happening in the streets. And then slowly you're making your way over a footbridge and you notice that all of the flora and fauna is changing slowly. The water is changing. Even the ground underfoot is changing from some dirt path to this kind of futuristic botanical zone. And that's incredible. And this is what they do between all of their lands. And the sound changes, the scent changes. And all of a sudden, you're like in the middle of this futuristic jungle, which is wild. And even even on Main Street USA in Magic Kingdom, going from there to Adventureland, the same thing happens. And going from Adventureland to Americana Village or what I don't know what the name yeah, yeah, yeah. is. But you no, know what I mean? And it's it's really wild. It's Those kind little of the details are beautiful. Airsoft's authenticity. <sighs> Stop it. If you want to like Google this stuff, like actually there's also stuff that they did around design and scale. Right. Oh, yeah. So that, you know, there's sort of optical illusions that are built into various parts. You can really experience it on Main Street that give you like a what? sense of. Like the buildings are built eight tenths the actual size of a building so that it feels safer and cozier. So you will feel like you're in a quainter place. Yeah. My other highlights, let's see, in no particular order. I really like the Animal Kingdom Lodge. It's just fun to mm-hmm. go and experience. And they've got you know, sort of animals all around it, giraffes and so on and so forth. And they have a restaurant there that is a African buffet. And it's like, listen, if you got a picky eater kid, 
they've got mac and cheese and chicken and whatever, but they actually have food from, you know, four or five different regions of Africa. So like, you know, my partner spent her, she did her study abroad in Kenya and they've got really good Ugali and like, it's, you know, and again, for us, especially like if some of the Disney food can leave a little something to be desired nowadays, but it's a really good meal. I really enjoy that. It can't all be Hakuna Matata at Disney World, right? Is there anything? Do you, are yes. there any dark clouds? I mean, Sally touched on some of these things, right? You have to suspend dis- disbelief about some things politically and some of the overtones on, on some of the rides. but Right, and there's just general things to avoid because at the end of the day, you are at a theme park with a million other people. And it can be an intense place and you're traveling with your kids and you're dragging them around and everyone's, you know, walking around for a long time. I think that, like you had said, don't skip the downtime. Down if, you, if you have a few days and you could take one whole day where you don't buy a park pass and you're just chilling out at the pool... That's great because you could still take advantage of tons of things that are going on outside of the park gates. So like they the have fireworks and things. Fireworks. Yeah. They have parades on the water. There are lots of Disney Disney activities at hotels. Even the hotels that are associated with Disney will have events and things like that every day, multiple times a day. Um, I also think that a lot of times the, the best restaurants are not the sit-down restaurants in the parks. And so if you want a sit-down meal, go to a really pretty hotel and have your meal there. You could also have character meals. So you could book to have, I think it's the Tusker restaurant or, or something at, at the Magic Kingdom. And I know the Polynesian Hotel does it too, where, you know, all of the characters will be wearing like lays and little cute shirts and, you know, doing the hula as you eat your Mickey-shaped pancake. So there's ways to have the Disney experience without having to go all in every day, all day. And I think that's really, that's really a good tip. I think your point about downtime is also taken well with um, in the day, too. It's like, don't try to do too much. Because right. there's nothing that ruins the Disney magic more than you being hangry or your kids being cranky or, yeah, you know, right. and you just got to suck it up that you're going to spend a lot of money and you're going to do like five or six rides in a day and enjoy the experience of it. And that's that's going to be it. Like, that's a good day. Yeah. And I think this this kind of is a good transition into what to know before you go, because being able to set that expectation also gives you a chance to say, oh, let's enjoy this show that's going on, or let's stop and take a look at this neat experience. And there's tons of those things happening at all times. There's also a lot of great games within the games within the world. So there's scavenger hunts that you could do within a world. There are, there's like a detective game you could yeah. do throughout Epcot Center. There's a hidden Mickey yeah. uh, situation where you find Mickeys in the designs on all the rides and okay. all the I was suddenly everywhere. thinking about Hitch. That's like finding Hitchcock in the Hitchcock movies. Or, right, totally. Right. Exactly. Or counting the but like way more fun for 10 year, old, 10 year olds. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, one of my favorite Epcot rides is to do the figment uh, oh, yeah. The figment ride, and you know, it's on the, the imagination. Sorry, it's Tell about the, the imagination. I gotta be careful because I haven't been in two years. So, like, I our family favorite figment is like a ride about the imagination and how it's good to use your imagination and whatever. And then when after the ride, you could spend like an hour in these activities where you can make music and play with light and paint with like your hands on a big computer board, and that's cool. There's no line. Yeah. And the yeah. kids are psyched to do that for 
hours. But if you if rush you them, them through it, because we're going to get as many rides as we can, they're going to miss that opportunity. Right. So I think definitely knowing that it doesn't have to be all rides from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. That's that's a great that's a great way to set yourself up for a successful trip. I also think that if you are into waking up early or are into staying up late, you could you should take advantage of those special park hours by staying at the resort. So let's say that you cut the night early the night before, wake up and chase the rope drop. That's what they call it, which is where <laughs> you can you can get the there before drop? the before the park opens and there'll be the the dress characters, those cast members, lining up and they, you know, pull the rope aside so that you can go in. And by by doing so, by getting there when the park opens, you really are beating a lot of the crowds. Likewise, at the end of the night, when there's two sets of fireworks shows, and at the end of the first and second set, there's a huge, like a massive crowd that leaves. And so the park does feel like mm-hmm. it empties out a bit, and that's a good time to get on rides or to see a show you haven't been able to see. So there are these like little in-between moments that you have to, again, ask around about or just look into and, and then you can kind of find your way. I've actually never done either of those really? things, by the way. Well, I, I mean, because uh, I grew up going as a right, single so rider, like, so that was easy. Right. And now, to your point, Pavia, if my kid isn't waking up at that hour, I'm not waking You're up. You're not waking up at that and hour. And we right. do not make it that late. Okay. I like That's why I like a hotel uh, you know, where you can stand on the balcony and see the fireworks. Yeah, which is also also really good. The uh, The other thing that I just wanted to add in when we're talking about the food is, um, you know, you can bring in any any snacks that you want to oh, Disney World. You so can bring your food in. A lot of people bring picnic lunches. Which and is probably a super economical a, a tip. A great way to save money. And also if you yeah. have food or allergies, though they are very, very accommodating of all of those things. Um, and the other thing is you don't have to buy a $4 bottle of water. You could bring in your water bottle and also you can go up to any kiosk, ride anything and say, can I please have some ice water? And they will give it to you. Mm-hmm. So that's just, that. those are easy things that, you know, when you are waiting online for two hours and you have a, a cranky husband or a cranky kid or a cranky wife or whatever it is, you're like, how about the snack? How about a cool drink of water? Oh, Geraldine, you're such a good traveler. You're so <laughs> nice to travel with. Um, Sorry, is that an inevitability in a Disney day? Will I be standing for two hours somewhere? I don't think so. No, it depends on when so. you go. Okay. All right. I mean, I have to say, like, again, as a diehard Disney person, I will never, ever, ever go. I don't care if it was free. I'm not going at Christmas, at Christmas. ever again. It was right. just too much of a buzzkill. And I would imagine Easter and spring break weeks are I also think I'm terrible, to, terrible times to go. avoid those two. So now, if that's the only way you get to go, then go. But just you have to, I think, adapt you know, if you go and look at the color calendar, like the calendars of the crowd times, sort mm-hmm. of what are the busiest days, uh, you know, in general in the calendar, I think, you know, they color code them, right? So yep. like red is really crowded, then there's yellow, then there's green. And I think you could sort of expect your mood to be similarly color coded, <laughs> right? That's so funny. If you're going to go on a green time, you know, you're like going to have said, a green day. We've gone times where we can go back on popular rides right, and not right even away. have to wait. You, you the amount of weight is literally how long it takes you to just get to, get the, to the head line of the line. Again. Yeah. Um, there's also so there's a tool that my um, that we've been using, which is called Line, and it's through touringplans.com. And it gives recorded Disney times versus the actual wait times. And there's people riding the rides and sending in real-time data. And so you can get a really good – it's kind of like Waze for Disney rides and, so, and Disney attractions. So you can get a good idea – ahead of time of, you know, what 
what's going on and what you should do and what you should avoid. But there's tons of these things for this park, you know, these parks in general. And I think, you know, it just takes a little bit of a little bit of exploration to to, to make the trip your own. It sounds like, and I, you know, know from just what you've been saying and what I've read, that Disney really does a lot of work to make planning, meaning Disney offers a lot of tools and solutions and options to make it easier to have a good time mm-hmm. at Disney, whether that is, whether those are these calendars that tell you, yes, you should go between the end of August and the end of October. That's the sort of best time of year to go. Um, calendars like that, these easy pass things. Um, I know they also have a VIP tour guide program. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll add a couple thousand dollars to your trip a day because it's, you know, several hundred yeah. bucks an hour for the service. But these people, but if you do have the money to spend on this, this these VIP helpers will do everything from the pre-trip planning to giving you easy, you know, early access, advanced seating, all this well, other stuff. Well, they, like, walk you onto the rides, basically. Right, what you're walk. doing is you're paying to be able to walk onto the rides. And but, don't get me wrong, if you got the money, that is an easy way to do it. Right. But, 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 but what it sounds like is that Disney, you know, it, Again, as corporate as it is, as professional as it is, as technologically advanced as it is, is also using all of these resources to make it easier to navigate Disney. Yes. So, so, you know, everybody's always like, what's the inside scoop? It's almost like Disney makes it easy Mm -hmm. to figure out what the inside scoop is. They're like, here, we will tell you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's something, again, if we don't think too much about, there are these magic bands, right, that Disney came out with. A couple years ago, and instead of you, instead of having your tickets in your hand, just paper tickets, you can bed. have them on your band. If you're staying at a Disney hotel, it also unlocks your room. You can have your credit card on it, so you you can be able to swipe your band and yeah. buy your lunch and the balloons. You can give your kid five bucks that they can spend, whatever. Um, now, privacy people are rightly concerned that a lot of the data is. You know, what's happening to the data? You're being spied on inside the park. It turns out even after you leave the park, they're still on, right? I mean, there's no off button. So there's all that. Um, And what is cool is with the exception of the few people who can pay for that VIP service, everybody's getting on 60 days in advance or 30 days in advance to get those same fast passes. Everybody gets to ride the ride. The minute you get off that ride, everybody's hitting refresh on their phone to try and get the next fast pass. But everybody's doing it together. And there's something a little, there is something like, you're right, they design it to be, you know, it's it's a little bit more of a fairy tale than real life. And I kind of like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We live in a very, very, very unfair world. And at least we all have a chance to ride mine train. Right. When we're at Disney World. Yes. That's all we could ask for, really. In conclusion, the well, solution no. to global inequality well, is no, Disney's mind train. You know what? And also living in a place that, like Disney, is incredibly, I mean, Gerilyn mentioned this earlier, how ADA accessible the whole thing is, how just inclusive of abilities and ages. I love the idea that there are 85-year-olds who are beginning their second careers at Disney World. Right, for a place that can feel antiquated in some ways. They're ahead of the curve in a lot of other ways. Yeah, we should all, you know. You haven't lived, honest to God, you haven't lived until you've seen, no, until you've seen a kid doing, like, from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, As many times as I've been, as jaded as I can be, right, until you see a kid at, like, the front of the Magic Kingdom who, you know, is on a walker in a wheelchair, is you know, has the Make-A-Wish t-shirt on, and 
you see, like this is this is their dream. This is this is it. This is yeah. the happiest place on earth and where they want to be. And they believe. When my kid met Elsa and Anna, she believed it was really them. And it brought tears to my eyes. It was so sweet and lovely. And there's an innocence. And I, again, we could probe that forever. But you know what? As parents, I think we want a little bit of our kids' lives, childhood, to feel magical. Um, I'm feeling under the influence of Disney. It's not a bad feeling. No, it's pretty nice. Come with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disney really does everything it can to make sure that there is emotional impact out the gate. And that is the thing that is really hard to, to manufacture um, on a regular old weekend, weekend trip anywhere. And so for anyone who's considering going, I would say if you go with an open mind, suspend a little disbelief, you really will feel like you have had a really happy vacation. Sally, what do you have to add? I'm, I'm just like, you're talking and in my head, I'm thinking about February and like <laughs> how many part, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm like already you're planning. You, you guys like got me wanting to go back. <laughs> it's fine. You know, especially it is, it's, I understand again, like there, I understand the twisted psychology of escapism and yet here I am. Yeah. Sometimes we all just need a little escape. Yeah. And there are way worse ones than going to Disney World. Yeah. I don't want to have to wrap up and say and send us back to the real world. So I just I want to capture this magic. I hope everybody who's listening is feeling it, too. Thank you so much, Sally, for joining us today yeah, on our little you. Disney trip. When you do travel, don't forget to post your pictures of your trips on Instagram with the hashtag travel with fathom because we want to see where you end up and um, if anyone can take pictures of the avatar ride for me I'd be especially happy because Geraldine didn't you please can't. follow you just have to experience you have yourself. to experience it well please follow us on all the socials at fathom way to go and if you want more from Sally and really who doesn't please find her on Twitter at at Sally Cohn that's S-A-L-L-Y K-O-H-N and be sure to pick up her book The Opposite of hate, which, come to think of it, sounds like an appropriate Disney theme. Too. Thank you for listening. Have a magical get too day. Weird, guys. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And, you know, leave us a five-star review. A Way to Go is a production of iHeartRadio and Fathom. You can find the details we talked about in the show notes and on our website, fathomaway.com. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter when you're there. You can get in touch with us anytime at podcast at fathomaway.com. And follow us on all social media at, at FathomWayToGo. Please tag your best travel photos, hashtag TravelWithFathom. If you want to really go deep on the travel inspiration, pick up a copy of our book, Travel Anywhere and Avoid Being a Tourist. I'm Geraldine Gerba. And I'm Pavia Rosati. And we'd like to thank our producer, editor, and mixer, Marcy Depina, and our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. 
Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.